And so my partner today, my partner in Lesson Crime is Jerry Lang. A lot of you know him. He counsels here. Um, Amy calls him Jer Bear. <laughs> so we've been calling him. So if you didn't know his name was Jerry Lang and he thought it was Jer Bear, we've been calling him Jer Bear for a couple of months now. And I think that that fits because he is loving, so loving. And if you're crying, he can fix it. <laughs> that's that's the, the wisdom and the power and the care that he brings. Um, he's also my father and my mentor. So if I if you ever were like, Abby is so smart, it's because of <laughs> him. I stole all my material from him. Do you lie all the time at these things? <laughs> oh, he is bringing the funny. I was worried without Amy, it wouldn't be funny, but you're bringing it. <laughs> Um, so his background is, <clears throat> he is a Christian counselor. He does a lot of marriages and relationships, other things, but that's his, his best of the best that he brings. Um, and we're always talking. I am just, we are kind of winging it, but we talk about this stuff for hours every month. We are always together. We're always talking about it. So I know that whatever odd question I throw at him, he just brings the wisdom, so I have no doubt that it's just going to seep out tonight perfectly. Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, the intro is only like 30 seconds longer. Okay. okay. Um, and this topic is on marriage. I know most of you here are married, but there's a lot in our women's family that are not married. So um, if you're not, or even if you are, and your marriage is good, you can also be creative and apply what we're going to talk about to a lot of different relationships, your working relationships, your family relationships, your church family relationships. We know some conflict happens within this room itself. So um, I hope that you can use it for that also. And also, we are supposed to be the light of the world. And when there's women in your lives who are having trouble with their marriages, I hope that we can equip you to help show them you know, what's right, to encourage them, to help them. So that's kind of our goal. And the first thing, one of the biggest things that I wanted to just start off with was our um, the biblical teaching on marriage and how often sometimes it gets misused. Um, or even Satan brings it up in us, even though we weren't taught it in a wrong way, Satan can bring it in a way that accuses us um, in a bad way. So the bedrock teaching in the church, wives submit to your husbands. I want you to unpack these mm. verses for us. Ephesians 5, 21 through 28 and Colossians 3, 18 through 22. Do you want us to read any of that? Do you want us to, do you just want to lay out your points? Um, everybody's probably familiar with, especially the Ephesians. Um, which is really about, well, verse 21 says submitting one to another out of reverence of Christ. Verse 22 in Ephesians 5 says, wives submit to your husbands as is to the Lord, um, which is easy to slice that one. Um, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. 
And then verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay. Um, yeah, I find these verses get misused a lot. The most important thing is verse 21, where it says, submit one to another. And then it talks about wives submit to your husbands. But in the, in the original Greek, in verse 22, that word submit is not there. It actually says wives to your husbands. But it's okay that it says that because it's just coming down from verse 21. Mm. But the, the submission needs to be two ways. Um, so down in verse 25, it could have started with husbands submit to your wives by loving her as Christ loved the church, which is far more difficult than anything else in that whole section of scripture. Um, the, the most difficult thing I think to understand here is the word submission. It's not a, um, it's not a word we like, <laughs> whether it's us submitting to God or submitting to each other uh, or, or especially in a marriage. Um, and it's a word that isn't so liked anymore simply because we don't understand the difference between submission and obedience. Um, so many people, in fact, uh, I've done quite a few marriages, and um, when I'm doing a marriage and in the vows, which are somewhat antique, it says, do you promise to obey I will not allow them to say that. Um, there's two words, hupakaso and hupakuo, that show up in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, it says, uh, I think in verse 1, uh, children, obey your parents. Um, and then in verse, it's either 5 or 6, I think it says, slaves, obey your masters. Obey and submit are two very different words. Um, the word obey in the Greek really means when you hear something, you do it. Um, like for a child, um, if, if he was playing in the front yard and decided to run out in the street, we're talking about maybe a four-year-old here, you need to be able to say stop and that child needs to be able to do that. Uh, that's obedience. Without obedience, that child might run out and get run over. But that's different than submission. Submission is a willingness to place yourself under another. Um, so wives, as you're trying to submit to your husbands, if a husband does not love do their part in, in verse 25. You can't really submit. The only thing you can do is obey. Um, if a person is worthy of respect, we can generally submit to that person. Um, but if a husband isn't all that he should be, especially with God, um, it's more difficult to submit but if you want to be the best biblical wife that you can be, you can still obey. The problem with obey is 
you're placing yourself over in Ephesians 6 and you're either going to um, feel like a child, like he's your father and you have to obey, or like a slave. And so then you don't feel appreciated, you don't feel loved. And if you don't feel loved, it's really difficult to submit. Uh, it is still possible. Jesus was not loved when he submitted to the cross. Mm-hmm. So depending where we're at spiritually, um, we can still um, do the best that we can in order to submit to somebody who perhaps isn't worthy of that. But one thing I say all the time to people in counseling about men, we are all, all men, all we men are stupid. That's a later question also. <laughs> so this is good that you're bringing up now. Okay. Okay. That's part of stupid. Um, stupid brings about all kinds of good qualities. Like that. Um, men do not think and feel like women. Neither do women feel or think like men do. Um, and we're living in really tough times right now. And it's very difficult for even a man to try to figure out what his role is, what he's supposed to be doing. It's been confusing for men as well as for women. Um, So for men, it's not... That position of headship is about responsibility, not privilege. Um, Because when I was a kid in the old church days, it was, I was getting ready to get married and it was going to be, well, your husband will decide where you will live and how much you'll spend and what your budget is and how many kids you'll have and what car you'll drive. And that lasted about two weeks. (laughs) I challenge you in the New Testament where it talks about headship and all of that. I challenge you to find anywhere where it says, therefore, he makes all the decisions. None of this is about decision making. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a whole different thing um, that most men and women, husbands and wives don't really know how to do. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that was the easiest thing to put it on was the decisions. Yeah. But we can't keep track fairly about who has more power. Uh, I can ask a couple, and I can guarantee you this. If I ask her who has more power, she says he does. If I ask him who has more power, he says she does. Always. Because we can't keep score accurately. So power, the, the greatest power, the only power that is from God is love. There is so much power in love uh, and that is the opposite of control. Um, and we've been talking a lot lately been about, a lot about control. control. <laughs> um, if you feel, did you feel like you settled that? And we can open. Am up. I making sense? Does anybody have any questions? Does that kind of clarify the old school? Just do what your husband says, dearie. This is very informal, so we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. In fact, I would rather talk about what you want to talk about. But than... I already guessed what they want to okay. talk about. <laughs> So we, we're still on track. I will submit to that. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, but I, so if that kind of feels good for you guys, just, I just wanted an overview about, you know, in case your husband is like, submit to me, woman. It's in the Bible. Um, just a quick on that. But then we can move to control. Um, I don't know if my question is any good, but I said, talk to us about control battles in marriage. Is there a way to avoid it, change it, or win it? No. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Okay. You're going to go to Genesis. Genesis 3 and 4. Preach it. In Genesis 3, it's, there's some really interesting stuff in, in chapters 3 and 4. Let me go back to 2 first. And the Lord God commanded the man, so this is God talking to Adam, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And in verse 3, the serpent is talking to the woman. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Two different things. Did you notice that? Where do you think we better not touch it came from? I would guess it came from Adam. So God said to Adam, you cannot eat of that tree. Adam, in trying to really make sure everything is safe, says to Eve, we shall not eat of that tree. In fact, don't even touch it. But I didn't really come from God. That's a man-made rule. Man-made rules will get us in trouble every time because we can honor God's rules. But if we make more rules short of that, those rules are easy to break. And then when you start breaking those, we break big ones. So I, I think that's fascinating. Because she was touching it and she's like, I'm still alive. <laughs> Let's eat it. <laughs> um, okay she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband Adam who was with her and he ate they were together when this all happened okay I think that's important to understand um, they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths so God isn't even involved here but immediately they hide from each other. Okay? And it's much more than a physical thing. This is big. Um, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they started hiding from each other, and now they're hiding from God. Uh, God uh, called to the man and said, Where are you? Adam responded, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Um, fear, guilt, hiding, emotional problems. Adam and Eve were no longer connected. Uh, the man said, okay, God said, what have you done? This is interesting. The man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. So who did he blame? Okay, well, if you think about it, listen. He said, the woman that you gave me. He has two insurance policies. 
Um, so when left to ourselves, um, when we are angry or we're blaming somebody for something, you cannot be angry with somebody without being angry at God. I don't think we consider that because we're saying, well, I'm not angry at God. Be careful there. All right. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So she blamed somebody else as well. In counseling situations, the first thing I have to do between a husband and a wife is get them to stop blaming each other. If they will not stop that by the second session, I will not meet with them. They have to take responsibility for their own selves, their own actions. But this is natural. Okay. This is why I said no to your question, because it's impossible to have a great marriage nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. It can't be done. So to the woman, God said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Even in a Schofield Bible, it notes to this is really wrong. When it says your desire shall be for your husband, that word desire only shows up in two places in the Old Testament. It only shows up one other place in the book of Genesis, and it's in the very next chapter. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. That's a different word, desire, isn't it? It isn't that she's always going to be sexually attracted to him, but she has a desire to control him. And then it says, and he shall rule over you. So ever since Genesis 3, The man wants to control the woman, and the woman wants to control the man. We can't help that. We're we're all sinners. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can minimize that. There's things we can do about that. But I want you to understand, if you feel alone, and because you're controlled by your spouse, it's happening everywhere. Okay. Because of sin. That's not what God wanted. It was perfect, what the, the world that God created. But because of sin, everything changed. And no matter how you look at that, if we don't look at it theologically, everything was good. Sin came into the world, and it changed everything to the bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why it's hard to have a perfect marriage with no control. Um, the only way to overcome that is in your relationship with God. Um, If, for example, um, or for instance, um, marriages, I'm going to talk about divorce, but, but divorce only indicating that marriages are unhappy. Okay, so I'm just talking about unhappiness here. In the world, marriage is divorced somewhere around the 50% level. Inside the church, marriage is divorced around the 50% level. 
I don't like that. There's something wrong there, and it took me a while to figure that out. But, but there's another statistic, uh, statistic that people don't know about. For marriages in the church where they are both deeply committed to God, they attend church regularly, they're involved in the ministries of the church, they're taking their spirituality very seriously. The divorce rate is now about 5%. One-tenth of uh, regular churchgoers, okay? So that's a fallacy that, that God, a relationship with God does not help marriages. That's wrong. Um, so that's the way we overcome the natural willingness that we want to control things. I mean, face it, don't we want to control things? Be honest. Okay. Well, I, I have to say, especially, especially if you're right, which you are right exactly. a lot, Julie. And I found in my marriage, I'm very happy because Tim lets me do just about anything. The one day, one day a year, we have a fight because he's the captain of an aid station. And this just happened last weekend. <laughs> he's the captain of an aid station and he gets to choose. He just, he staked his little flag, <laughs> but the guy asked for one day. So I'm like, oh, God, I give it to you. Like you cut the apples, you pick the bread. That's your day. But it was still hard for me. Com completely disregard everything you just heard. <laughs> Is that teaching? Is that good teaching? Okay. We have to stop blaming men for everything. Well, okay. and, and here is the, the reason why I'm bringing a counselor to my women's ministry, my women, women's family, and none of your husbands are here. Because it's, no, it's, it's not about them. We're pulling this happiness of our lives and that productivity in our marriage into our court. And I, I want to, you know, give you tools because you always say one person can make a marriage better. Absolutely. And one person in a terrible marriage can still be happy. Absolutely. Um, and what now it, I'm not talking about if he's an axe murderer or if he's yeah we have to leave the axe a full blown narcissist or I mean there's sometimes if it's an abusive situation. You have to get out of that. Yeah. So I'm not talking about that. And there are some hard lines to draw where you might be separated and demanding counseling or doing divorce. There, yeah, we don't have to be a pushover. But in general, if you want to be in your marriage and the, they don't want to do anything different, we still have a lot of freedom in Christ um, to make some good choices and be happy. And um. I ask husbands and wives all the time, how would you rate your marriage on a one to 10 mm -hmm. where one is divorce and 10 is honeymoon? By the time they're coming to see me, most of them are at a three or something or one, some are minus ones. It, it, the numbers can get really low, but I believe that one person can raise that number by two points without the other person's cooperation. But there's limits. So what are your tips and tricks that we can use in a marriage 
that is okay. three and a half. You know what we'd really like to control in our spouse is his or her behaviors, right? Think about that. It's behaviors usually that are a problem. I'll try to make this quick. And behaviors is on my list, so you're right on target. This process takes at least four sessions in counseling to really work through, but everybody has a story, okay? And we spend a lot of time establishing what that story is. And out of their story comes pain. If they were, um, didn't have a, a dad at home, if they were abused, if they were not loved, um, all kinds of things. But there's always pain. And at the bottom of the pain is always unloved. But we may have at least a dozen, at least main pain words that that person has been feeling their whole life. Our personality is basically set by age five. So very early in life, we are already being trained to feel certain pains. Here is where it really gets interesting. Out of that pain comes behaviors. What I mean by that, if your husband is feeling good about everything, there's no problems, right? Everything's good. If you're feeling good about everything, everything's good. But what if something is wrong? That brings out pain that we've learned earlier in our lives. That pain brings about behaviors. So if a husband comes home Something may have happened at work, and he's angry, okay? and he's shut down, doesn't want to talk. He is feeling pain. In marriages, we see this. Let's say that uh, he shuts down, and you get angry about that. I don't deserve this. If you try to talk to your husband and say, I need your behavior to change, stop shutting down. Trust me, it doesn't work. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. What if I say it 10 times? <laughs> it still won't work. Okay, so what do I do? If we're stuck in just the behaviors, um, th that is about control and it's about battle. When we get stuck in the behaviors, we don't recognize the pain that's behind the behavior. Okay? If we get, if we wise up and say, okay, my husband's really grouchy. Okay, there must be something wrong. He's in pain. He's, he's feeling abandoned. He's feeling alone. He's feeling, but he's feeling unloved. So instead of going after his behavior, if you just take a break, hold his hand, give him a hug, say I love you, to get him out of his pain. If he comes out of his pain, his behavior will change naturally. But you can't go after the behavior. He just gets more mad, right? And pulls away further. Get away from me. Then it's like hugging a cactus. It's not fun. Well, and then I, I imagine, as you talk to couples, do you feel as though one party doesn't want to love the other party because they don't want to encourage bad behavior? 
So it's almost like, a, well, he's being bad, so I'm not going to love him. That'll show him he should be bad. Okay, that does come out, but again, that's just a behavior. This, his behavior has now caused her pain. Mm-hmm. And that's why she gets angry. So that's just a response but, to the pain. But me being strict about his behavior and pulling away is never really going to change him. We are so far out of control, people. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you think about it, it's mm -hmm. hard enough just trying to control yourself, uh, let alone somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a while ago I said there's power in love, and that's where this can come in. Now, just because you do that once, don't expect everything's going to change. Mm -hmm. You may have to do this for a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and this is the deeper element that we talk about. <clears throat> which is you might have to do that for a year, but he might never change, but it's still the right thing to do between you and your God that you yeah. worship. Yeah. The right thing to do is to love the people around you and to love, especially your husband who's been given to you. So it can't really be an idol. I will, I will love you until you change it has to be an open handed. I'm going to love this. But, but let me add also, you are not responsible for your husband's happiness. Mm -hmm. He is responsible for that. But if you care about him, wouldn't we want to help if we can? Mm -hmm. So that's the reason we would do that. We need to understand love languages and things like that. You women are smart. Remember I said men are stupid? <laughs> okay. So figure that out. What? how you can get him out of that bad place. You're doing him a huge favor. He doesn't want to be grouchy. Mm. And uh, that's the thing we forget. I always think they really do. You're saying, so let's talk, talk about, so talk about men again, peel back the curtain on how men think. So they don't want to be grouchy. The only reason they're grouchy is because they're in pain. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong. They may not be feeling loved. They may have been put down at work or they failed at something. Mm -hmm. And they're just, everything is wrong. And I've kind of heard that they're actually more sensitive to rejection and failure than we possibly think. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. There's, chi there's childhood hurt. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's a simplisticness sometimes of food and tiredness. Yes. So in counseling, I try okay. to do two things. One, help them understand um, what they didn't understand before and how to treat each other better. But the second part is to try to get rid of the pain. Uh, if they can get rid of the pain that they've been accumulating all those years, then their behavior will change too. So you're trying to get him out of behavior by addressing the pain. Um, I try to do a whole bunch of things to, here's what it looks like. When a man, anybody, but I'm just, we're women here except for me, so I'm gonna talk about men. When a man is born, he has no pain. Um, he is the person that God created him to be when he's born. And then life happens. 
And through life, we're all hurt. We're all damaged, right? Everybody. Some worse than others. Um, because of the pain of life, we learn how to handle that by either shutting down and we don't feel at all, or being angry and we feel everything, or addictions. That's why addictions happen, escaping from that pain. So what I try to do in counseling is help them get back to the person that God intended them to be by getting rid of the pain. And it works if a person is willing, if that's what they want. But all of life is about timing. Your husband might want to be grouchy for another year yet. Okay? Give him the time. You're not God. Mm -hmm. You can't make him, but... You can love him. The biggest question in life is, what is your life about? Is it about you or is it about God? Uh, Matthew chapter 6, I believe, says, He who uh, finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life will gain it. Something like that. We I have the exact words. If our life is about us, we're... we're we only care about our own pain. We're not capable of caring about others' pain. That's why a full-blown narcissist, you can't help him. You, Ten years of counseling will not help. There has to be a major God-miraculous thing. Um, if we could come out of ourselves, I felt rejection for 50 years of my life. I accepted Christ when I was 25. Prior to 25, I felt rejection every day in my life. By the way, rejection is a surefire sign that you're into yourself because you feel pain too easily. It's about you. The next 25 years I spent in the church, and I still felt rejection every day in my life. It wasn't until I was 50 that I, I could, was able to deal with that, and I'm not saying perfectly, but trust me, it was different. Um... I don't feel rejection anymore. If you don't feel rejection, you're far more able to help other people and to love on others. But if you feel reject rejection and the pain is about you, good luck. And would you, I would say how we do that is an internal boundary. So when people start saying, you're a terrible person, my internal boundary says, they don't get to tell me who I am. I know my worth in Christ, and I'm not listening to what they have to say. Is that how you stop the rejection? No. All right. <laughs> you tell me how. Because internal boundaries in your stuff. I know that. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you need that. I understand okay. that. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is if you love and you're not guarding yourself all the time, you don't need boundaries. Nobody's going to hurt you. Um, you just bounce back from it. As an example, in counseling, prior to my new understanding, if I was counseling a guy and he said, wow, I can't believe you just said that. You've got to be the worst counselor I've ever met. I would have responded in two, one of two ways. One, I would have tried to correct it to win him back. No, I'll fix it. Uh, I didn't really mean to say that. Here's what I was trying to say. 
uh, or uh, anger and said, well, we're done counseling then. Obviously, we're not going to get anywhere. Now, if he says that, um, inside me, I would say, okay, I said something that really triggered him. I got to figure that out. It would still be about him. Mm -hmm. I don't care if he hates me. As a counselor, I don't care if they hate me. But I, that's why I push him so much. They get pain out. I make people cry all the time. No, you want to come and see me, right? <laughs> I graduated from seminary and I started working on myself. And I realized that my life was about me. I knew that verse in Matthew long before then, but I didn't know it actually worked. I didn't know that. If you give up your life, that's when you find peace and happiness. So you're saying we could have better marriages if we weren't self-absorbed. Absolutely. Just think if two people were married and they weren't self-absorbed and they cared about their spouse more than themselves. I don't know if that exists. And, and again, he doesn't even have to reciprocate because it's your purpose in Christ to not be self-absorbed. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's another way that you can raise uh, the way you see your marriage by two points again. The secret to life is God. I, there's no way around that. Mm. Right? I can't soft pedal it. Um, without a relationship with God, relationships are hard, mm -hmm. really hard. I have the bad habit of some uh, one of you will come to me with a sad story about your husband and I immediately do two things wrong. I immediately camp on, oh yeah, he's a bastard. <laughs> that jerk, that son. And then, and I shouldn't do that. We, we shouldn't just keep digging graves for each other and each other's husbands and talking bad. We need to think positively. That can also bring up our happiness just all by ourselves. And then I also jump on that. I don't want you to be in pain. Like it hurts me so bad to see a woman in pain, but at the same time to know and to see you guys struggling and having, you know, spouses with anger. But at the same time, God is working in our lives through this pain. I mean, that's not what he wants, but just being okay to have pain together and have joy together instead of just keeping it robotic. Just spilling my... But that part of you that almost cries with another woman if she's crying. Mm -hmm. That's a really good heart. That's why you're loved. Yes. And the fact that they can come and open up to me yeah. is yeah. why I love them. Yeah. yeah. That's, all, that's good. Um, but anyway, I get all scared if they're in pain. I can calm it. <laughs> we can be calm together. We can walk through this together. We don't have to freak out right away. Is there, an, is there a specific thing that you could do? Do I just, is there some kind of, do you work with boundaries or ideas? Or I like to brainstorm and say, communicate and lay down a rule. I won't be in the house if you're yelling. Okay, now you're talking about that. some extreme. I'm talking about real, like, not life-threatening, but this is a behavior that I... I don't want to live with for 20 years and I want to love you, but it's not a behavior that's, Yeah. it's a behavior that should go. 
If you're going to set a boundary, then set a boundary. Mm -hmm. Most people set a boundary and they don't honor it. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't do any good and that's if you do that. bad for parenting, too. It's bad for everything. Say yes, the truth, follow the truth, right? The first boundary, don't go to that right away. Okay. The first boundary needs to be in your own head. You need to set a boundary in your head that I'm not going to listen to that. I know who I am. If that person is telling me I'm stupid, no, I'm not going to accept that. You just do that in your head. Um, but at some point, something needs to change as it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And that's where you set a boundary. Listen, um, I love you so much. And I hate the way we are with each other. I don't like what's happening. Let's do something. Um, I'll take responsibility. I know that I've hurt you. Um, and I, I think you know that I've been hurt as well. But let's do something about that. Mm -hmm. um, that's when you, you, you need force to get some help somehow, somewhere. Um, it's not enough for a person to say, okay, I'm going to work on that. How are you working on that? Mm -hmm. uh, I hear that all the time. Okay. Yeah, I'm working on that. Um, and my first response is, okay, how are you working? Tell me what you're doing. And they're not doing anything. They're just saying, well, I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Whatever I'm just going to try. Yeah. Because they weren't before. <laughs> okay. There are so many different stories and nuances. Mm -hmm. We're throwing out general stuff yeah. here. Yeah. That may not apply to some specific situations that she would get into. I'm just trying to get into the fact that, like, sometimes there's action. Sometimes it's heart. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes there's action. I believe, honestly, that love takes action. Whether it's in your family, in your church, helping people. It's not enough to say, I love you, but don't do anything for them. Mm -hmm. Um and if, if there's that kind of a marriage going on, they're both unhappy. Mm -hmm. um, do we really want to live the rest of our life out this way? Just talk about that. Mm -hmm. All right, God yeah. does hate divorce, divorce. It's not ideal, but he's allowed divorce from the very beginning of the Bible all the way through. It's unfortunate that we think that 1 Corinthians 7 is the only way out of a marriage mm -hmm. by having an affair or something. The real reason for divorce is very clear early in the Bible. It's hard hearts. All that behavior comes out of a really hard heart. Now, if there's kids involved, I always tell people, listen, you've made a commitment to these kids. You've got to get through that. But at least understand in your own mind that you don't have to live life forever this way. We chatted that up. We went all around the ins and outs. I really want to say sorry. We're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely know the answer to that question, but we're out of time. Yes. Um, yes. So thank you. Hopefully this will be... Um, just an opening to to be able to talk to each other about our marriages and um, yeah and if our husbands don't want to come we probably shouldn't pull them by the ear we should just come as individuals and get the help we need and pray for them for as a room. counselor 
very, very often the man is there only because he has to. Mm -hmm. I can accept that. How often does, Do it, it. does it work? Does it work More sometimes? often than you would think. Okay, great, that's good advice. But the first thing I have to do is win that guy over. Mm -hmm. And I, I recognize that. Okay. Yeah. Men are afraid of counseling, all men. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it would be okay if they're against it. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. drag them in, mm -hmm. I don't care. <laughs> or send them alone and say, I know Jerry's gonna tell me if you showed up. <laughs> Or if you went out to Burger King instead. Um, great. So we hit a couple topics. And if there's other topics in the future, I will be having Jerry back. I'll be having Jerry back a couple more times on different um, themes as well. If you know people who need help, I'm and a resource. Yeah, if you know people, now you know Abby. Jerry. So you can tell your friends. Tell your friends. All right, well, let's wrap it up. I'll just pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we could um, just hear some wisdom from someone who's been in the business of applying your word to marriages and has seen the radical changes that you can bring about, has seen um, the way you work and the hope that we can have. Um, Lord, I just pray for each marriage in this room and, and in this church Lord, that you would help us to follow, follow you, that each individual would, would be less self-absorbed and more Christ-absorbed, that we would lose our life um, to gain it. Um, thank you for your sacrifice um, in Jesus Christ so that we can have all of that hope and all of that direction. Um, thank you again for this time that we can gather and for the wonderful food and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.